in the three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all giving a little different vantage point or account of this event of the Great Commission given. And we see here in Mark that he focuses on things like casting out demons, laying hands and healing the sick, uh, praying in new tongues, and also sharing the gospel. Uh, Matthew focuses on the discipleship component, making and raising up disciples. But Luke's account gives us another important piece. It says that before you do these things, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So we recognize that as a church filled with the supernatural life of God, we are commissioned to carry out supernatural works by His name and in His power. Does that make sense? And so we kind of went through the first couple weeks of evangelism and sharing the gospel is supernatural, right? We talked about uh, casting out demons is supernatural. We're going to talk about healing is supernatural, discipleship next week, growing strong in our spiritual maturity. That's a work the Lord does in the inner man. And then we'll conclude the series, part five, we'll be praying in tongues is supernatural, Uh, Just want to tell you before we get to that point that when you read your Bible and you read in the New Testament, there is a term or phrase that you'll read often. It says praying in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes based on your translation, it may say praying in the Holy Ghost. This is a phrase that is synonymous with praying in tongues. It means the same thing. So you just need to know that when you're reading the Bible because you see it in Acts, in Ephesians, in Jude. You see it all through the New Testament. All right, but today we're going to talk about healing. It says you'll lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And when we look at the word healing in the Bible, we see it many, many times all throughout Scripture, and it has a variety of implications, okay? Um, In fact, let me just give you some of the definitions that come out of different words that are used in Hebrew or Greek, but they all get translated in the English Bible as heal, healed, or healing. But here are some of the definitions. It is to save, to heal, to rescue, to make well, to recover, to restore. There's one called therapo, which is actually the root word of our English word therapy, which means a process of healing or to reverse a condition and restore a person. It means to be healed of physical or spiritual diseases. It means to be purified and repaired. It means to be cured, made whole, or mended. And so I just want to say this to you today, church. Jesus wants to heal make whole, to mend, and help every one of us be healthy and strong so that we can live out the freedom in fullness that Jesus died for us to have. The title of the message today is Healing is Supernatural. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we declare, Lord, that every man is a liar, God, but it's your truth that prevails. It's only by your word that we can understand truth, and we ask that you would speak that to us today. We are your servants, and we are listening, God. 
We come against any spirit of intimidation, distraction. I come against the spirit of discouragement that may be beating people down, making people weary, causing people to lose hope. I pray, God, that every spirit that is standing in the way of people hearing your word and truth today be bound in Jesus' name and that the word of God would fall on good soil. We give you permission in this place. We say, Holy Spirit, take the room. Take the room. Not our will, but your will, God. Lead and direct the rest of our time here together. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Healing is supernatural. So, when you look at different stories of healing in the Bible, this is what you're going to find. That healing is often referring uh, to different kinds of healing works that are being done in people's lives. Let me explain. When God created man, He created us three parts. There's body or the physical man. That's the flesh and bone, the outer tissue, and all of this, this part of us, right? The physical man, the body. But He also created us with a soul, which is a very complex part of His design. It involves the seat of our mind and thoughts, our emotions, and our will. We know that we have to bend our will to God's. That's the definition of surrender. If we turn our will away from God's, that's the definition of rebellion. Jesus doesn't force our will. He looks for us to submit our will to His, and He does His work. So the, the soul is a complex part of us, right? And then the inner part of the man is the spirit man. And so we see these three layers, if, if you will, to who we are. And when you read about healing, what you'll find, very interesting, is that Jesus is, is in the business of healing all of the parts of who we are. So when I say he wants us to be whole and healthy, that is not an exaggerated statement. He wants us whole, healthy, and, and, and in the fullness of what he wants for us, body, mind, and spirit. Okay, you'll see places where it will say, and, and he saved them, or they were, it says they were healed, but it's talking about salvation. They were healed of the sickness of sin and disease. So they were born again. There are times where it's talking about healing, and it means their minds were healed. If you recall, when we did the message on casting out demons a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the man who was in the tombs, who was demon-possessed. And it concludes that story in Luke's version by saying, and then Jesus healed the man, and he was in his right mind. Right? So there's mental and emotional healing in the soul that Jesus offers. And then, of course, the one that we often think about is the physical healing. When sickness, infirmities... Uh, diseases, plagues, things like that, lame, sick people, lepers, people raised from the dead. We see those kinds of physical healings. So here's the important point to this. God identifies himself to his people beginning in the Old Testament by a variety of names and they all, all of these names are inseparable from his character. It's who he is, so it's who he is all of the time. One of those is Yahweh Rapha or Jehovah Rapha, which means I am the Lord, your healer. He also says things like 
uh, Jehovah Nisi, I am your victory banner. Jehovah Shalom, I am your peace. Jehovah Jireh, I am your provider. So when he says that he is these things, it means that as long as we are relating to God by faith, that he is all of these things all of the time. So he is our healer. (laughs) And whatever we need healing for at any point in our lives for the variety of things that we face and deal with, God is able to heal. And I want to announce to you today, it is the will of God to be the healer to his people. Is that okay with you? And so we're going to discuss today these different parts of our being body, soul, and spirit, and how God relates to His people as healer in these areas. Point number one, if you're taking notes, is healing for my spirit. Now, I won't spend much time on this one today, frankly, because we went into a lot of depth in the first part of this series, Evangelism is Supernatural. We spoke about the gospel is foundational, If you recall in Mark 16, it says that these signs will follow who? Those who believe. So supernatural works mark the life of a believer. When we are saved, we are commissioned and authorized by God's Spirit to walk in these kinds of things. It's not everybody does these things, unbelievers do these things. It is saved people leading lost people to freedom, right? And so salvation was the, the foundation of this. I had a couple of people uh, come up to me, different folks, after part one, evangelism is supernatural. And I kind of, you know, built up the series before we started for a couple weeks and after we did Evangelism is Supernatural, a couple people were like, Pastor, I just want to, I kind of want to admit something to you. You know, when you started today and you said evangelism is part one, I was a little disappointed. I was really ready for the demon's message and, you know, all this other stuff. But after you went through it, And I understood that the gospel is foundational, that it's because I can be saved and filled with the life of Christ that I can actually walk in these things. All of these other things spring off of the believer's life. Then I really understood and appreciated that you started with part one. So you're welcome. I appreciate the feedback. Yes, okay. Um, So don't get disappointed at a pastor's message. You never know where it's going to go. But just say a couple of things. It, salvation is, is healing for our spirits, guys, because the Bible makes this very clear. And I don't know if this is possibly unpopular doctrine, maybe where you've came from or not, but there is a heaven and there is a hell, okay? And when we are born into this world, every person is born into this world under the condition of sin and death. It is a result of the fall going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So we, are, we experience the first birth by way of the womb. Obviously, <laughs> we're all here, right? We are alive physically, but as we enter the world, we are dead spiritually. So the Bible says those who experience the second birth will avoid the second death. What does that mean? 
Well, if we're born again in Christ, then we experience the second birth, and now we have life and life eternally. Our spirits were dead, and now they are alive. Praise God, His life lives on the inside of me. The old man is dead, and now the new creation has come forth. Obviously, that's supernatural. So if Christ is in us, we will all experience the first death, Newsflash, I guess, right? Every one of us one day will go into the dust of the earth and breathe our last. But if we're in Christ, praise God, we will not taste of the second death, which is eternal separation from God in the place of hell for all of eternity. So that is why our spirits are healed when we submit our lives to Christ is that the condition of sin or the penalty of sin, which is separation of God from God for eternity, is removed from us and we are saved from that. It isn't until we are born again and our spirits are healed that we can start to step into our destiny and purpose that God has created us for. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but it isn't until the life of Christ is in us that we can actually walk according to His grace and accomplish the purpose and destiny that He has for us. He has a purpose and destiny for every person who He's created, but we have to accept Him and receive Him in order to walk into that. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And the last thing I'll say about this one is when we experience healing in our spirit, you know, it's an amazing thing. It talks about that we have the assurance of our salvation. This is beautiful. We don't wander around. Maybe I'm saved. Maybe I'm not. I hope I get in. That's a bad place to live if you ask me, you know. Like it's, it says that there's an assurance of our salvation. That's so important because once you know you're healed in your spirit eternally, you live differently here in the temporal, fallen, broken world. That's why it says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? When death loses the ability to intimidate a son or daughter of God. Nope, this ain't the end. This isn't my final resting place. I've got a home and eternity in a perfect place with Jesus. I'm just telling you, you live differently here in this world when you know that. Praise God. Healing for our spirits. Point number two, healing for my body. Healing for my body. Now we're going to talk about the miracle part of this in a second, but I just want to sort of plant some things in your mind that you may or may not have thought about before. I do believe that God heals in different ways when it comes to our physical body. Let me explain. I believe that there is natural healing, right? My daughter, Evelyn, she cut her foot really, really bad a few weeks ago um, because my mom, her grandma, wasn't keeping a good eye on her. Uh, Sorry, I just had to. (laughs) Oh, she loves me so much. And (laughs) she was swimming in a pool and the glass light underwater was broken and she went to kick off the wall and swim underwater and sliced on the broken glass. Yeah, I know, Mike, right? The flesh was all opened up. And, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and so 
every, so we, you know, we butterflied it up and every day, because it was on the bottom of her foot, so she couldn't really walk on the bottom or it would have opened it back up. So every day we undressed it and cleaned it and then wrapped it back up. And you know, something absolutely amazing happened. I would actually call it miraculous. Her body was healing itself. You know, we have something called an immune system by God's design. We have something called white blood cells by God's design. And that our bodies are actually created to heal themselves in a natural process of healing. I say natural hesitantly because if you ask me, it's still pretty miraculous. In fact, I think about in Romans chapter 1 when the Bible says that all created things reflect the glory and goodness of God. So much so that every man is without excuse that there is the existence of a creator. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? So when I think about her body was healing itself, I think, you know, God's created our bodies to heal naturally. And uh, it is possible that when we do things, just think about this, okay, that when we do things to dishonor our body, we compromise its ability to do what it was naturally created to do. Does it make sense? If we are addiction or substances or just misuse and dishonor of this temple of the Holy Spirit, sin can lead to sickness. It does. It compromises the body's ability to naturally heal itself and do what it's created to do. There are consequences for dishonoring the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to think about that as we honor our bodies, that we are, we are honoring them and we are also honoring the fact that they, God's created them to do things that have healing properties and capabilities. But I also think God heals through medical means. And here's what I mean by that. I think that knowledge and wisdom that God gives to nurses and doctors and things like that the Bible says in the book of James that every good and perfect gift comes down from above from the Father of lights, whom from there is no variation or shadow of turning. So I would say that the perfect gift is always the miracle, but the good gift can be the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that he has given to people to help other people go through ailments and conditions that they might be suffering from or struggling with, Right? I mean, I know I had a really bad burn on my hand a few months ago, like really bad. And Katie's like, here, I'm going to use some aloe for that. And she, we have an aloe plant. And I was amazed because as she put the aloe on this, like every couple hours, it, it literally healed within like a few days and it, it didn't hurt anymore. The sting even came out of it. And I remember thinking about on the second or third day, Kelly, as I was looking at that, I was like, thank you, Jesus. I remember thinking that. It was like, you know, aloe is, but I'm just thinking, thank you, Jesus. I see that there's a, a means by which God gives knowledge, understanding, things that he's created in this world to help us with that kind of stuff. I only say that today because I don't want us to get so super spiritual that we're not willing to honor and, and acknowledge that God does use things like that and people in this world to help us with things that we might be struggling with, okay? And then the last one, point number three, it, or the, not point number three, sorry, the, the third way that I see God heal in the physical body is miraculously. 
Okay, that's when the blind can see, the deaf can hear, the lame can walk, the dead are raised, the infirmities leave, they were sick before for 18 years and now they're made well, there's no sickness in their body, the leprosy is gone, the cancer is gone, you know, these are the things that are the miraculous. You might say, because there's people who would go on two extremes of this, there's people who say, it's all fake. God does not heal anymore today. That's done and that's over. Tell it to my friends who got healed. I don't know. You know, it's like you can't argue with them. I, but there are people who feel that way. But there's this whole other extreme on the other side. I'm just going to acknowledge that. That people say like, well, if you didn't get healed, then you just don't have enough faith. You know, you just didn't have enough faith because you just didn't get healed. And I don't know that either one of those are where we want to land, honestly. But I do believe very strongly, that God heals miraculously. He is still Rapha. He is still a healer. I don't think he stopped wanting to do that for his children. He still heals spiritually. Why would he not heal the soul? Why would he not still be interested in healing the body, right? So when Jesus healed miraculously, people were delivered of sicknesses and bondages. Can I just say something to you? That this was not by way of medical treatment. (laughs) Jesus did not rub some herbs on their eyes and some oils and all of those things. There is a deconstructionist view attempting to break down the credibility of Scripture and say, well, Jesus, yeah, he did go around and heal, but he used oils and anointments and all these kind of things, and that's how he did I beg to differ. When Jesus healed, he spoke, it was done, and it was a miracle. And I believe he is still in the healing business today. But guys, here's the thing. We have to, each one of us, kind of grapple with this and reconcile when we pray and people don't get healed. It's one of the most common questions I get. Okay? I'm just going to tell you my best answer. I don't know. I don't know. Here's what I will tell you. Just some doctrine. The Bible makes it clear that the physical man is perishing, decaying. Everybody, ones that are healed and ones that aren't healed physically, everybody is still going into the dust of the earth one day. Every physical body is perishing and decaying, okay? So even Lazarus that was raised from the dead, he still ended up dying again. That's kind of crazy. The dude died twice, you know? (laughs) He still died again. I don't know if that helps you, but it, it just kind of puts it in perspective for me that even when people are healed miraculously, that that physical body is still going to go into the dust of the earth one day. Ultimately, the fulfilled part of God's promise to heal us is when we receive resurrected bodies that will never decay or deteriorate and never experience sickness or disease. That is ultimately where the fulfillment of that will happen. All right? But this is where I land. God does not owe me an explanation. I like it when he does give them. (laughs) Honestly, I do. And sometimes he does. But many times he doesn't. 
And I just know this. I've made peace with it. He doesn't owe me an explanation. And I've, I've planted my feet on this. I'm never going to stop praying for people to get healed. It's never going to happen. Because God says right here, lay hands on the sick. Anoint them with oil and pray for them in the body. And God will heal. I see that. I don't understand it all. Probably like you don't understand it all. But I'm telling you this. I will never stop praying and believing for God to do miraculous healing works in the lives of his people. I'll never back off of that. Amen. Amen. And then, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but I just want to shed light on another part of how I see God's healing power in our bodies. Do you know, notice in those verses we read in Mark 16, it says, you will take up serpents, drink things deadly, and they'll not hurt you. You remember that part? I firmly believe that this is a part of God's healing power. Think about it like uh, the, the promise in the covenant of the tithe. When we tithe and in faith, God says that he'll provide a blessing. Part of that is the windows of heaven are opened and all provision is made available to us to do what we are called to do. But another part of the promise is that he says he'll rebuke the devourer. So there are many things that God is doing for his children to stop the enemy from robbing them of blessings that he's given them that I am convinced we're never actually consciously aware of. It's still happening, though. Would you agree? He's rebuking the devourer. He's not able to take from us things that God rebukes him of. I believe that there is a similar picture in God's healing power Much like we just read about, they can take up serpents, they can drink things that might harm them, and they will by no means hurt them, meaning this, there is an abiding safety and protection and healing power over the lives of God's people who walk in faith. Psalms 91 says that if we are in the presence of God, He will not allow infirmities and plagues to come near us. He will give us Whatever days he's numbered for us on the earth, there will be a protection and a healing power and availability over us to do whatever God is calling us to do. No sickness, no disease can come near and rob us of those days that God has apportioned to us. I do believe that and that it's needed to walk in faith in order to realize, right? Paul, he was on the island of Malta. And he's preaching to a bunch of natives who don't know Jesus. He's sharing the gospel. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a pile of wood, a viper, comes up, boom, and bites him right in the hand. <laughs> like, what is that about, you know? I think many people would be like, oh, I'm trying to do your work, Lord, and I'm going to bit by a snake. That's it. I'm done. It's over. Why would this happen to me? You know what Paul does? He's like, I ain't got time for that. He shakes the snake off. And he just goes on with the business of evangelizing. The people are looking at him, waiting for him to blow up with the venom. And he never does. And they're like, truly God must be real. 
You know, all I'm saying is I see evidence of a faith in Paul that's like, I know that snake's poisonous, but I don't care. God's got me. He's protecting me. I know there are viruses floating around. I know there are things out there that can harm me. All I'm telling you is I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to go do what God's called me to do, and I'm going to believe for his hand of protection over my life. Ah, hallelujah. All right, yeah. Did you know that when God brought Israel out of Egypt, I know if you ever caught this, this is, this is really key to me. When he brought his people out of Egypt, he delivered them out of bondage and slavery. But you know what it says in Psalms? It says that every single one, mind you, there were a million plus people, that there were absolutely none, not one among them that were sick or sickly or feeble. Now, I don't, Scripture doesn't say what I'm getting ready to say, but I've thought about this before. A million plus people, they were probably, some of them were probably sick with something while they were there. But when they were brought out and delivered, they were brought out into a place and none of them were sick, sickly, or feeble as they moved into their promised land. I'm just saying God is a healer in many different ways. And the last part of this is, the Bible makes it clear also that we are to take communion often and regularly, right? We do that every first weekend of the month. That's just kind of our way of honoring that command from the Lord. But this is what's very important. Um, It's got to be something that's done in faith. If you're just doing it as a motion, a repeated kind of, that's, that's a religious ritual and it's just garbage. There's no place for that, okay? But if you're doing it in faith... You know, Paul says that there are healing properties in communion that happen, that he says, if you're, you're not honoring communion, you're not doing it right, you're neglecting it, it's not, a, it's not by faith, he's, he's rebuking them, he says, for this, 1 Corinthians 11, he says, for this reason, many among you are sick and dying. Now, I'm saying is you can't, you can't dismiss that. <laughs> you, what are we to do with that? I think communion, when we do it in faith, much like that just healing power and protection that's over God, I'm just saying, yes, Lord, I believe for that. And I'm looking at the cross, and I'm looking at the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and that's the only reason I have this, but I do believe that there's something substantial to that. You know, the kids, they always say, like, Dad, we really like those white cheddar cheese. It's a lot better than those cardboard crackers that are in those little packages. I'm just telling you. I don't think there's any healing power in the cardboard cracker. You know, you can eat a hundred of them. I don't think it's going to help you. But whether it's a cheese it or a crack, I'm just saying, if you're doing it in faith, I believe the Lord is sovereignly watching over and protecting his people. Does that make sense? So healing for the spirit, healing for my body. Point number three, healing for my soul. Healing for my soul. Again, I mentioned before, The soul is a very complex part of who we are. I don't know that anybody really can peer into the the real full depths of this. Hebrews says, The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it comes and penetrates through to the division of joint and marrow, to the separation of soul and spirit. So remember I said there is the body, then there's the soul, and then there's the spirit. It uses an analogy or comparison of joint and marrow. Doctors and nurses would probably know this. But if you move your way down through the bone, 
and eventually in the center of the bone there's marrow, but there's no definitive break line. It just somehow gradually becomes, goes from one to the other, and it just mends it, melds into each other. So there's where it separates, where does marrow stop, and st- nobody, you can't really tell, right? And so he's using the analogy between soul and spirit that way, the mind and the seat of the emotions and the decisions and all of that. So it's, it's, it's our inner being. And I say that to you because I want you to understand today, I, I really felt like this was a big part of what the Lord wanted to open up for people through this series, um, is that we can be walking around with inner wounds and hurts that are affecting our soul and are affecting our freedom, and in many cases, be totally unaware that we're even carrying that with us from things of our past, things that have happened, maybe things we've done or things that have been done to us. However you want to look at it, all of those things can result in what I would call a soul wound that needs inner healing. And so I say again, he is Rafa, he is healer. Jesus can heal our bodies, he heals our spirits, but he can and wants to heal our inner being, our soul, our mind, our emotions, and wounds that we may be carrying around from our past. And when we do, they affect. It's like the lens that we begin to see, respond, and react to the things that are happening with us here in this world. It's a good way to tell if somebody is maybe carrying a soul wound is that they often overreact or underreact to situations that happen to them. They lash out, anger, scream, overbearing, try to force their way, dig in their heels and refuse to admit wrong. Or sometimes underreact, they're very apathetic, they're in denial, they avoid things, they stay away from things that would even touch this place in them. An inner wound is like an inner infection, right? There's a bruise on the surface. That's the bleeding and the blood that's evident on the skin. But that's always because there's a wound, inner wound, that's the source of the bleeding that's causing the outward evidence of that. So when people go around and they're angry all the time or they're, they hate all the time or they're just, they're, they lie all the time or they they're struggle with addiction all the time or just all kinds of different things I would say are symptomatic, the action or the bad fruit, oftentimes it's because there's something down underneath the surface that's bleeding that has never been healed before. We spoke about casting out demons a couple weeks ago and how they can get ground in our lives. I mentioned, very important point, that a demonic spirit can never take ground from a believer that has not been relinquished to them first. They turn that over by believing lies or committing sin, and then the demonic spirit can get a, a, a foothold in their lives, which means they've got legal ground now to stand on that's been given to them, and then they, they, they occupy that foothold and they begin to build a stronghold which is now a belief system of lies that they see the world through and as a result listen their freedom has been compromised 
because now they're aligning more with lies than they are with the truth of the Word of God and what He says about them. You can you see how that would happen? So if, if casting out demons by the authority in Jesus Christ and breaking their presence and bond over people is one step. Listen to me. Many times that inner wound that's there, that can be the ground that they're standing on. Pain, unhealed wound, lies they've believed, and we cast out the demon. But the ground that's unhealthy is still there. Jesus wants to heal our broken hearts. Let me read this to you. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus comes and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal. Did you see that? Which means to mend or stitch back together in this case the broken hearted. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. We see healing, deliverance, soul healing, evangelism, all these things in here, right? We're continuing on the works of Jesus in the Great Commission. Psalms 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. What's a broken heart? Well, it can mean a shattered or a bruised heart. So let me just ask you today, can you relate to what it means to have a broken heart, a soul wound? I got good news for you. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He wants you well. He wants you whole. He wants to mend that place in you. He wants to get that inner man healthy and strong so that you can live out the freedom that he is calling you to have. But many times, guys, we have to let the Holy Spirit get down into the root of what's really going on. I had a friend growing up who was one of my dear friends, and he used to get in fights all the time. He's very angry. He would fight multiple times a year, just beat up everybody. And they just he's angry, he's violent, you know, and this went all through grade school, junior high, and high school. And I didn't think about this at the time. I was, this wasn't even on my radar back then, but as I grew up, I began to think about it. And I think that that anger was just the bad fruit outwardly. You see, my friend, he grew up without a dad. Never had a dad never knew his biological father, his mom never remarried, and I really think that he was just so angry at the world for having that story that it caused him to just project out all of this anger. The anger was the fruit, but, but the, the wound was rejection. Does that make sense? And so Jesus can come and heal our broken hearts. He can come and mend these wounds. But here's the thing. We have to allow ourselves to get vulnerable before him. Because here's what often happens. When the Holy Spirit starts coming and getting close to an area, a wound. You ever notice when people have a wound or a bruise or 
something like they guard it, right? You come up, hey, buddy, how you doing? Oh, you know, or they're like, hey, you know, they're, they're walking around like this. Don't you come near me on this side, you know, and they're kind of hovering over here. Kids always joke around. They're like, dad, when you hug people, you, you like smack them really hard on the back, you know, hey, buddy. I did that to Pastor Rick a couple months ago, and I forgot he had just had neck surgery. And oh, he's like, oh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, um, they guard this area. People guard a wound differently, don't they? And uh, sometimes they come into such agreement with a wound or a lie or a false belief that they're so tied to it, they, they, their soul comes into agreement with something that actually disagrees with the word of God, but they unknowingly kind of fight for that ground because they've tied themselves to that. The Lord can heal that and he can break that. But here's the thing, much like an infection inside the body that would need to be removed, in a lot of cases, the wound has to be torn open first. So I say that because I want you to know this before we pray today, sometimes it's going to hurt a little before it gets healed. Does that make sense? And oftentimes, I've seen this, people will gravitate towards the pain that they know to avoid the pain that they don't know. I'm just, I can deal with it. I can live with it. I can cope with it. It's okay. I'm getting along this, this, this far. I can manage. Please, I beg you, for your soul, for your freedom, for all that God has for you. And let me encourage you, when the Holy Spirit comes, I promise you, I absolutely promise you, according to the word of God, he is not coming to hurt you. He's coming to heal you. But you're gonna have to let him do his work. So when we pray, I'm gonna ask you to think, about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and what is he showing you? Areas of your life, parts of your past that he may want to come in and heal that have never really been healed. Have you tried to heal yourself? Have you tried to mend your own wounds? If so, I would confidently say I'm quite sure it's not working real well. But I think the Lord could do a deep work of healing here in our body, here in our church and in our congregation that can just really lead to an eruption of freedom in people's lives. But you need to hear this. You need to hear this. Your past does not define you. I get it. Bad things happen. I get it. It makes me mad too. Things that shouldn't have happened abuses, bullying, neglect, ab physical or sexual abuse, divorces, separations, tearing. I get it. Things happen that hurt really, really bad. But we are not defined by our past or the things that we've been through. God can heal these areas in our heart. And so I'm going to ask you now to just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. And ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you?
If you don't know Christ, this is the time to ask him into your heart right now. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Surrender your life to Jesus. Bend your will. Surrender your will. Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I turn from the world and I turn to you. Come in and make me new. Know that you're a child of God. If you are a child of God, there's a promise. Jesus says, my sheep will hear my voice. Right now, I cannot tell you what the Holy Spirit needs to tell you. You need to hear from Him. But I believe He wants to speak to you. Lord, why do I do the things I do? What's the root behind some of these things? It could go all the way back to generational things that have been passed down. We can break those here today. Past trauma, wounds. Maybe you were told all your life, you'll never amount to nothing. You were rejected. You're worthless. Maybe you've said, I will never be poor. I will always make sure nobody hurts me again. Maybe you've come into agreement with some kind of an unhealthy vow or pronounced some kind of curse over your life that you didn't even realize you did. Jesus' healing covers the whole spectrum, guys. (laughs) What is the Holy Spirit showing you, saying to you today? And I want you to just picture yourself bringing that to Him. You're not going to heal yourself. Come to Him, and you're submitting this to Him. You're giving it to Him. That memory may still be there, but that pain can be healed. (laughs) You're bringing it to Him. And if there's anything you need to repent of at this point in the process, do that. When we agree with lies, that's sinful. We, we, just be humble. Anything you need to repent of, just get it clean. Get it right before God. I'm sorry, Lord, that I believe the lies. I'm sorry that I'm aligned with things that are not what you say about me. Whatever it might be, submit it to Him. Lord, I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ that you would do a deep healing work in the souls of my brothers and sisters today. Jesus, you are the healer. We believe you want to heal. We believe you can heal. I pray that you would fill these places their lives with your truth. I pray that we would begin to see, God, that you and you alone define us. And we would find our security and the identity that we have in you.
Holy Spirit, right now I pray that you would just do a deep healing work. Places that people didn't even know were there. Turn them over. Open them up. In Jesus' name, I pray, God, you would heal those today who are here with broken hearts. And I thank you so much, Lord, that you would want to do that for us. And we give you all of the praise and the honor and the glory for any healing work that would ever be done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just curious, anybody, just even right now in this moment, you feel like, I feel like there's just a weight that kind of got lifted off of me right there. I feel like there was a heaviness that just went away, you know. Praise God. It's so important from here that we walk out our freedom. We abide in the word and the truth of Jesus Christ. I just, I see it like this is, this is the lens that we need to be looking at the world through. Guys, this is our source of truth. This is the plumb line that we hold every decision, every action, every thought up against. It's the truth that will make you free. We don't have anything else. This is the source of all truth. There is power in that. We abide in the word. We walk according to who God says we are and what he says we have. And we will know freedom. Amen.